Broncos, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Whoa, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. December 15th, getting closer to the big day with the big guy and, of course, celebrating Christmas. History last night in Madison Square Garden. We'll touch on that in a quick bit. Pelicans get back to action tonight. They take on the Thunder Saints. Get back to work today. As of course, they get ready for the Tampa Bay. Why even play? Why even play the Buccaneers? Can't win. 11-point underdogs. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. It's hump day. Hump day. I know you can hear me. Today's more that what that camera Wednesday update that it is. Yep, head coach Sean Payton yesterday saying he didn't see himself using that as motivation. I I don't buy that for one second. We'll see how some of the guys health wise will be here as well. As they get back to practice, it'll be our first chance to sort of see Cam Jordan's back, Mark Ingram as well. Words of wisdom. As always, 800-998-1003 is the way to chime into the conversation. You can also be a part of our social media question of the day. And it is. Saints fans, give us a top storyline heading into this weekend's matchup against the Bucks. Is it the disrespect? Is that a storyline to you, honestly? Or is it more on a football field? I'll tell you one right off the get-go here. 12.02 p.m., two minutes into the show's open. <laughs> um, can the Saints passing game do anything? I don't even know if that's the proper way to say it. I, I said yesterday one of the keys to the game, and I think it is a storyline for me, is if Alvin Kamara, if, is slowed down, neutralized, who else and where else are points going to come from with the Saints? I, I said yesterday to a caller, I, I said, Taysom Hill has got to account for two touchdowns, minimum, minimum. Whether it's his feet or his arm, I don't care. One apiece, two on the ground, two in the air. Minimum, right? And the only reason I say this, I don't think I'm overplaying it or overblowing it, but Devin White seems to neutralize AK. And that's when the Saints had receivers. There is zero reason for the Tampa Bay defense to respect the Saints passing game. Tampa's going to play at the line, physical man defense on the corners. And, I mean, everybody, Ali Ali Oxen free to 41, right? I mean, I'd, like I'd fire my defensive coordinator if you were playing any other kind of defense. Taysom's going to have to shred me in the first quarter. 15, 20, 25, 30, 35-yard pass attempts per. He's going to have to throw three touchdown passes in the first quarter for me to change it. He gets his once, he gets his once. Can 
they do it consistently. And that's the thing. Saints passing game hasn't shown that yet consistently. Really, most of the season, other than Green Bay, he kind of got the sense and feel that he was bombs away and they were passing the football everywhere. So that's my concern. That is my top storyline. Where is the scoring coming from? I know the Saints defense has done a good job in the past with the Bucks. Can they do enough, though, to keep them under 30, 20? I don't know if that's going to happen, right? So we'll hear what head coach Sean Payton had to say this morning. He, of course, spoke already as they get back to work on Wednesdays. He always has his conference call in the morning before practice starts. Right before practice ends, we should start getting some reports, the tweet embargoes and the and the uh, you didn't see this sort of things kind of get lifted a bit as practice ends. And you'll at least you'll get the hey, Cam Jordan was was present or he was on the practice field or you saw him. I like to see Mark Ingram obviously there. Brian Ramchek, a key. Shaq Barrett leads the Bucks and Sacks at nine. Be nice to have your two top tackles. So those are the things that we'll be looking at. We'll play Sean here in a quick second. We set up the rest of the show. Coming up next segment, Mike Neighbors probably knows Drew Brees as good as anybody outside of the team that I can think of. He's covered the Saints for CST as long as I can remember. And every single game for Saints now, he interviews Drew Brees. So he took all of that knowledge and wrote a book, The Brees Way. So we'll talk to him next segment about that new book that uh, he's out and about, and he's in town today doing some signings. So we'll chat with him on kind of the arduous process. I would think of how do you tell that story, and what are some of the things that kind of stood out to you? Again, when I was the St. Silent reporter for two years, I had the opportunity to talk to him and do the interview for pregame, and I just always was blown away by – just being able to hear how he saw the game and how much went into before the ball was snapped. I, I've said this before. I, I wish I could somehow do this to kind of go into what it's like to get the play call, go on a knee, give the play call, break the huddle, and have him say or see what it's like to look at a defense and know before he even licks his fingers and starts calling out the protections. Every, I mean, I'm telling you, he did that one time for me, and I, it just it has stood in my mind. It has stood in my mind the amount of stuff and how fast he processed it and beats you before the, the ball is snapped. So I'm interested um, on on his process of getting that book together. Scott Prather, as we like to do on Wednesdays, kind of go around the state of Louisiana and get a sense and feel all the way around. He didn't join us last week. He had something to do, so I'll get his take on the new Raging Cajuns head coach as well. Plus, how are fans feeling now? The Saints have snapped that five-game losing streak. And do they think the disrespect factor is a storyline? I don't know. Is it? Uh, also, we'll go to North Louisiana and Fun Row. Sean Fox, he was in town calling the state championships over the weekend. We'll chat with him at one thirty. At 115, Erin Summers, she's part of the Pelicans Radio Network, the sidelines, does pregame and postgame stuff. If you look at the Saints on NewOrleansSaints.com during football season, well, she's doing color tonight with Todd Graffinini as the team is in OKC. New Orleans, by the way, a four-point favorite. Four-point favorite are you New Orleans Pelicans. So about that. So we'll definitely tune in and uh, have to... 
kind of discuss a little bit about the game tonight. And then also Ralph Marlborough will join us at 2.15. So let's get to head coach Sean Payne as he spoke this morning. And one of the things that, again, I was talking about was the passing game. And to me, it's my top storyline. Can the passing game give this team a fighting chance? They're going to have to score points. I just I don't see Tampa being held at 10 or 13. I just don't see it. And it's not that I don't trust the Saints' defense. It's not that, well, Gus, you got two good – I get that. I do. I just I, – I can't – I don't know if I can trust it completely. And I know they shut them out. Like I, I get it. Say it doesn't happen, though, is what I'm getting at. Well, can the Saints' passing game provide anything? Sean Payton touched on this morning on the fact that they do not really have a lot of passing yards this season. I think it depends on the game you're in. You know, there, there's some games where you're going to have to be proficient throwing it. You know, we're going to have to have a good throwing game this Sunday. Uh, you know, based on some of the things that that, that Tampa does so well, and and so um, I think it's more a matter of that game and and you know what the plan is in that game. But uh, you know, you, you want to be efficient at it and and you want to you know be able to execute when you're choosing to and and especially when it comes to your third down numbers to give you a comparison Jameis winston is still your leader in passing yards 1170 trevor simeon this five games 1083 Taysom hills at 495 for a grand total of 2748 Tom Brady leads the league in passing now. He does lead the league in passing. 4,134. Slight difference. 2,700, let's just call it that. 2,748 is the Saints total between three quarterbacks. Remember yesterday I was touching on, could Derek Carr be one of those quarterbacks that you consider at the end of the year? Dan Graziano yesterday saying, he expects us to be the last month of Derek Carr in a Raider uniform. He has 3,900 passing yards. Matt Stafford, 38. Justin Herbert, 38. Pat Mahomes, 3,600. Kirk Cousins, 3,500. Josh Allen, 3,500. Joe Burrow, 3,400. Dak Prescott, who's in a slump per Jerry Jones, 3,300. Aaron Rodgers, 3,200. Noodle Arm, 3,104. Big Ben, who everyone says is done, 3,066. Ryan Tannehill has 2,900. Teddy Two Gloves, 2,900. Carson Wentz, 2,900. Jimmy G, 2,900. Taylor Heineke, 2,900. Lamar Jackson, 2,800. Mac Jones, 2,800. There's a 2,700. Jared Goff from the Lions, 2,791. The quarterback, this might be surprising to you. That has the fewest yards in the Saints, three quarterbacks combined, is Kyler Murray. 2,782 yards, Trevor, 27. Are you surprised Baker Mayfield only has 2,600? Jalen Hurts, 24, and then Daniel Jones, 2,400. That's it. Like, that. that's the, the Saints have more passing yards combined with three quarterbacks than five QBs. Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones. Every other starter in the league has more yards than the Saints having three combined quarterbacks. It's why I'm bringing it up. Like it, 
against certain teams like the Jets, you got to have the personnel. You got to have the the way to stop guys like Alvin Kamara and all that. I I get all of that. Tampa does. They're going to have to throw. You just heard head coach Sean Payton there. I I started with this yesterday, so I didn't know he was going to say that this morning. You just heard the head coach say it. They're going to have to have some sort of success in the passing game. Because it's going to be there. Because Tampa's going to be like, yeah, no problem. Um, Kamara's not beating us. Right? So, one of the things that is going to help as well is getting Ryan Ramchek back. Trying to get him back one way, shape, or form. On and off the list a ton. He was asked, did Ryan Ramchick sustain any other injury or something that has kept him out of the lineup? No, no. He's, he's still working through the same knee. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully sooner than later because he's important to what we do. And this, like, new, I guess, era of having IR for three weeks, is it just one of those things with players where you, it, when it's, like, right on that line of when they could possibly come back, you're just kind of making a gamble or guessing whether or not to put them on IR? If that makes yeah, sense. look, sometimes, sometimes you you're forced to make a decision. Maybe you need roster flexibility. And other times, you know, you're, you're, you're predicting the injury that I think or forecasting what you think the injury is going to take. I think that's right. And of course, obviously playing Tampa Bay for a second time. How do you view it? How do you see it? Look, we played Eric McCoy yesterday saying he thinks it's going to be a different game. Marcus Davenport yesterday saying he thinks it's going to be a different game. 36, 27. I just, I don't see it being again, the same game just because it's two different teams, I think, right now. Tampa playing much better. They're 10-3. and three, And the Saints are just a different team, right? With the injuries and, and such. But here's Sean's take on that. Yeah, it seems, in this case, it seems like it's been a while since we played last. Uh, obviously, um, you know, both teams have changed since then, so... Um, you know, it's a division opponent. There's some things you, you understand about personnel and about, you know, how they, how they align, those type of things. But nonetheless, uh, there'll be a lot of another, a lot of new faces in this game. Yeah, I, I agree. So again, still an 11 point underdog. And again, the most in the Sean Payton era. Mike Neighbors will join us next. Got to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook. It is coming soon to Louisiana in terms of live. You can download the app today, though. And if you do so, they're going to reward you with $100 in free bets just for signing up. No deposit required. So DraftKings want to bring that experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports. I told you that since August. I've been telling you to go get the DraftKings app and play daily fantasy with everything on their hardwood, football, the official daily fantasy provider for the NFL, all of that stuff. So, but this is the sports book. Go download a different app. It's called the DraftKings Sports Book. This is where you're going to be able to bet on anything from the comfort of your couch, the car at a red light if you're not driving, things of that nature once it goes live in the state. They're just trying to tie up some loose ends before it actually goes live. So you got to sign up before it goes live and use the code LaRose, please. L A. R-O-S-E, do that, $100 in free bets, no deposit required, and use the code LaRose. Mike Neighbors, he joins us next on ESPN New Orleans.
DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana, and it won't be long until you can bet on all of your favorite sports from the comforts of your own home. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LaRose when you sign up. Those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code LaRose to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop 21 and over. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Happy holidays from Greg LeBlanc Toyota. It's a festive time of year, and you can celebrate with fresh new inventory arriving daily. There's great holiday deals at Greg LeBlanc. Amazing stocking stuffers like keys to the all-new redesigned 2022 Tundra. It may be cold outside, but these holiday deals are red hot and won't last long. Greg LeBlanc Toyota, South Hollywood Road in Homa, or online at GregLeBlancToyota.com. Santa may have the sleigh, but Greg's got the holiday deals. Shop now. On August 29, 2021, Hurricane Ida wreaked havoc on our community, leaving thousands of people feeling helpless, vulnerable, and desperate. We refuse to let insurance companies do the same. At AMO Trial Lawyers, we have assembled a team of not only attorneys, but also contractors, adjusters, engineers, and estimators with the focus of maximizing your claim value and assisting in your recovery. If you think your insurance company isn't treating you fairly, get a name that insurance companies know by calling 985-446-3333. I'm Matt Ori. And I'm David Ardwin. And we are the AMO Advantage. It's 106 miles to Chicago. we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Gus's way or Mike's way, probably not going to be as successful as The Breeze Way. That is the title of Mike Neighbors' new book. It's available on Amazon. If you want some signed copies, you got to go to MikeNeighbors.com. Mr. Mike Neighbors, longtime friend of the show. How are you today, sir? Gus, glad to be all with you, my friend. How are you? Happy holidays. Doing fantastic. You've been a double agent covering the Bucks and working CST covering the Saints, and now you're an author, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. You know, when I first started this project, I did a post-game show with Drew for 14 of his 15 years as New Orleans Saint, and I thought, you know what? I have to use all of this and, and write a book about it because we have so much content, not only after games, but we did several in-studio interviews. But mm-hmm. the whole project changed when I reached out to Doug Flutie, and he was fantastic. And Doug Flutie, in a lot of ways, is Drew Brees' mentor. And, you know, when Drew came into the league, they played, you know, the San Diego Chargers together. And once I got Flutie, then I thought, you know what, I need to get even more. So I had in-depth conversations with Zach Streif, Roman Harper, Lance Moore, Deuce McAllister, Scott Shanley. So what I wanted to do with this book, Gus, mm-hmm. is really write, you know, so much has been written about Drew. I wanted to write a book where Saints fans haven't heard a lot of these stories haven't heard of a lot of these opinions from Drew. You know, I, I didn't really write about the Super Bowl season that much, but it's really a lot of topics that Saints fans haven't heard from Drew because so much has been written about number nine. And what's crazy about it is I was saying in the opening segment that I was going to ask you because I was curious what, what, what was it you're trying to look for, sort of that, because 
you know, in, in the path being, is it the, the, the way he thinks? Is it what drives and motivates him and where that maybe began things of that nature? Because we obviously have seen the success on the field, but you know it and you and I talked about it, you know, back in the day when we traveled and, and saw the team on the road together, just all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes where that, that individual just, it's all about that game, that day, that play, that team. It's, it's crazy the amount of stuff. Is that what you kind of wanted to try to figure out? Yeah, absolutely. You hit it on the head. And, and that's why I brought up Doug Flutie, because Doug Flutie saw the origin of, of many of those drives that Drew Brees had. And he saw him lose his job in San Diego. And um, Drew, you know, I, I told him many of the Flutie stories that he had passed on. And, and Drew has great, uh, you know, really turning point stories about his career when they drafted Philip Rivers and how he changed his training, his preparation as a quarterback. And I'd say a great story in this book is the turning point where he knew he'd be great in New Orleans. And it happened in the preseason, his first year in 06. And, you know, it's well chronicled how bad that preseason was. The team did not look good. Scott Stanley told me that he called his wife after a couple of preseason games and said, I don't know if we're going to win a game this yeah. year. So he had a real turning point in the third preseason game, and he echoed it to Sean Payton afterwards. So that's a good story in the book. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of his competitive drive, his work ethic, how he approaches his family, you know, I, I love the stories from his teammates and, and his former teammates. And, and also, you know, looking ahead you know, as a broadcaster, how – He's going to tackle that, and you know his teammates also have different takes on what they think Drew will do beyond broadcasting. So it's just a different book. I mean, I think in a season that's been tough because we know the Saints team isn't bad; they've been banged up. I think it'd be a good holiday gift to look back at some great memories, but some stories many of you Saints fans uh, haven't heard before. Has there been any hints to him maybe coaching? It's funny you say that because Scott Shanley thinks he'd be a great head coach. I do too, and Roman Harper thinks he'd be a great head coach. So they talk about that. Uh, you know, Drew touches on politics, you know, entrepreneur. He has a lot of business interests. Obviously, broadcasting, he's really passionate. I thought, frankly, Gus, that Drew would retire after the 2019 season because, you know, he, he was passionate about making that jump, and he felt he'd be good at broadcasting. And, you know, he saw the Tony Romos of the world, and he felt like, you know, and not that he would say this, but he felt, you know, he would be, um, at that level, or maybe beyond. And Zach Streep said something to me. I asked him about that. And he said, Drew will never say that about Romo, but he'll always be thinking it, because you know he'll be competitive as a broadcaster, and he'll want to be the best, too. So a coach is intriguing, though. He, I haven't, you know, his teammates talk about it, but Drew hasn't touched that one. But, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he does, because he's still obviously very young, and, you know, he can't sit still. Flutie, when I caught up to him, mm-hmm. he was playing in, Adult baseball, an adult baseball league in Melbourne. He also plays in an adult hockey league. He's a drummer in a band with his brother, surfs almost every day, mm-hmm. and he knows Drew can't sit still either, so he's going to be doing a lot of different things too. You know, one of the things, speaking with Mike Neighbors, who wrote the book The Breezeway, it's been uh, covering Drew Brees for CST after post games for what you say, 14 of those 15 years. Um, of all of those, I've always wondered because it, not all the time is good, right? There's always that tough interview after a tough loss, an injury perhaps, maybe not into it. But I always felt like he was consistent. And and you know what I'm getting at, Mike. Sometimes you get in that locker yeah. room 
And, and there's some yeah. players you know you go to after a bad loss. They're always going to be professional. We'll give you Scott Fujita's one that pops in my head where yep. it could be a tough loss, and he'd be like, "All right, come on." And, and but he'll give you that real quick because he respected you. And in others, you know, you just don't go to. Was there a time or two that stood out to you interviewing Drew after a game that you thought was tough for him? Well, it's almost like you read the book, my friend, because that's a big (laughs) theme in this book, that he was always the same. But the the thing that I really respected about him is he never snapped at me one time. He never acted like he didn't want to do it. And frankly, he was better after a loss than a win. Because after a lot of those record-breaking nights, he was happy but he was ticked off because he didn't complete every pass. Or maybe he had a throw that was a touchdown, but he didn't hit it just right. So he's obviously the ultimate perfectionist. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that's the interesting dynamic with Breeze. And, and I've always been a Tom Brady, uh, frankly, defender. I think a lot of people criticize him um, in, in a way that's you know jealous because he wins a lot. But one criticism I've always had of Brady is he's a, he's a poor loser. I mean, when he loses, he walks off the field, doesn't shake hands with the other team, and is very – quick in the post-game press conferences. I mean, he had a, a loss recently. I think he answered 10 questions in a minute and a half. You would never see that with Breeze, ever. Breeze would be better after a loss. And I talked to him about it in the book, and he said, you know what, he knew that, you know, as a leader of the football team, you have to set the tone. And he did. I mean, think about the tough losses recently, the no-call game against the Rams and right. Minnesota Miracle. He was great after those games. But, no, in 14 years and almost 300 one-on-ones, Never got short with me. Never acted like, um, you know, I was wasting his time or he needed right. to go somewhere. It was amazing and better after a loss. So yeah, it's a real tribute to him. Along those lines, uh, how hard was it for you on certain of those, whether it's the Rams, no caller, Mike, the last one? Because we all saw it. We all saw him walk off, and I saw that glance up. And and you just you had that that feeling in your stomach. Oh oh man, that that might have been his last time on the field in a uniform. And so he walks up to you after that game. He knows it. What was that like? Well, the last season, I really felt like it was because, I, as I mentioned, I thought twenty nineteen was his last year. So when he came back, I thought, well, this is definitely it. He's going to come back for one more last hurrah because he knows this football team is loaded and they got a chance to win it all, which they did. But, you know, it was Zoomla his last season. So my last face-to-face interview with him was in August. We did an hour show. But I'll tell you this. We had some great Zoom interviews because last season he was injured. And one interview, we, I thought I was going to get him outside the locker room. I'm in the press box. And the state's PR staff said, no, he wants to do it from home. So he, he pops up, Gus, on the Zoom in his kitchen. And I said, okay, so we're going to do it here. He said, oh, this isn't okay? I said, no, it's fine. So he went into his living room, wanted a better backdrop, and we had a great interview. Taysom had a big game, and he was happy for Taysom. But you could hear his wife, Brittany, in the background say, you know, guys, you got to be quiet. Dad's, Dad's doing an interview. And then it was punctuated at the end of the Zoom with his dog jumping in his lap. It was like choreographed. We get him out of the kitchen, into the living room. You know, Brittany's telling the boys to be quiet, and then the dog jumps in his lap. So, yeah, it was, you know what, and it was funny, the last interview we did in August, and that's, it was almost meant to be the book was released for the holidays, because I had to add everything in August. We did a two-minute drill with him, and I wanted to see if he could answer ten questions in two minutes. And he was he was answering, you know, methodically at the beginning, and I had to, you know, we kind of had to pick up the pace, 
And then we had 15 seconds left for the last question in the two-minute drill. So I said, Drew, we're going to nail this. Last question. You're going to be a Hall of Famer in five years. Who's going to induct you? Is it going to be a family member? Is it going to be a teammate? Is it going to be a coach? Or is it going to be me? And he starts laughing, and there's about five seconds on the clock, and he said, you know what, let's just ride this out. And I laughed because that's the first time he dodged a question in 14 mm-hmm. years, and it was the last question I asked him, so I thought it was kind of funny. Who do you think you would be? That's a good question. I would think it would be Sean. I really do. Or Brittany. I would say Sean Payton or his wife. I, I was going to say probably his wife. If not, I could see Sean because that's one of the things, too, Mike, that – I'm interested in reading in the book there as well, the relationship between those two, because you have two quarterbacks that are killing it right now, battling for the MVP race, Mike, and Brady and Rodgers that, you know, have had issues. I mean, we thought Brady and Bill were great, and now you're seeing a completely different side of him, and it was because he felt disrespected by Bill at the end. Aaron Rodgers, it's about people. It's about the relationships. You hear Russell Wilson, I I can't suggest anything. You don't take my suggestions. We almost took for granted, didn't we, the relationship that Breeze and Payton had. Yeah, and I always go back to this because we've heard this story like a broken record. What if Breeze would have gone to Miami? It would have changed the landscape. You know, Saban wouldn't have gone to Alabama. Who knows what kind of quarterback Sean Payton would have. I really believe this. And I think Drew does, too. If if that would have been the scenario, he wouldn't have been the quarterback that he was in New Orleans because he and Sean Payton just had something special. And we've seen, frankly, Sean Payton without Drew as well win football games with all kinds of quarterbacks. So I think just like Belichick and Brady, both of them are great. People tried to take away from Belichick when Brady won the Super Bowl, and obviously now we're seeing what Belichick's doing in New England. I mean, what Sean Payton was doing earlier this season with his receiving core – and, you know, a brand-new quarterback, he was coach of the year before all these injuries. So I think that the common thread is they're all great. Brady's great, Belichick's great, Breeze is great, Sean Payton's great, and Drew Breeze was better with Sean Payton than going to Miami with Nick Saban. I just think his – and Doug Flutie talks about that in the book, that you know, he was envious. He always wanted a coach like Sean Payton where you had input in the system, you're, you're in shotgun most of the time, mm-hmm. and – Flutie never had that. You know, Flutie, don't get Flutie started on the Kyler Murrays of the world, everything going on in the NFL now that he wishes you know, he was still playing and everything. Right. But I really feel you know, that it was perfect. And, and, and the thing I, I talk about with Breeze and Peyton in the chapter that we have in the book is you know, Breeze's respect for Sean just goes way beyond X's and O's is the detail that he has on the football team, whether it's the sweats they wear on the road or the input on hotels. He really goes in depth on that. So that goes back to this book that there's so many stories Saints fans haven't heard. I think that's why they'll like this book because, I mean, I respect our friend Jeff Duncan wrote a great book about Breeze and Peyton, and uh, Breeze wrote a great book about himself. So I, I want to make sure this book was different. Mike, thank you for giving us a little bit of the tidbit of what it's like. Um, you're doing a couple of signings here in town before you leave? Yeah, I'm real excited. I'm on my way to New Orleans now. We had one in Pensacola yesterday. We're going to be at the Barnes & Noble on Veterans from 6.30 to 9 tonight and the Garden District Bookstore at, let's see, 3 o'clock to 6.30 tomorrow. So Saints fans, uh, you want a last-minute Christmas gift, come by. We'll give you a signed copy. Barnes & Noble on Veterans tonight, 6.30 to 9, the Garden District Bookshop, 3 to 6.30 tomorrow afternoon. Good stuff, Mike. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you for your time. And just give me 10 seconds here, right? Kind of like Breeze and how you had him. Is 11 points too much Sunday? They're an 11-point dog. 
I think it is because I think that Sean Payton loves being an underdog. Yep. And let's face it, he's very successful against Bruce Arians in the regular season. So you're not, you're not buying anything when he says Monday that he's not going to use that as motivation this week, huh? Yeah, well, he, he's loving every minute of that, my friend. Absolutely. <laughs> and by the way, your questions were great. It's almost as if you read the book, so I definitely have to get your copy. But I appreciate you letting me talk about it. Of course, man. Not a problem, man. It was a pleasure. Still covering the Saints after all these many years, man. At Mike Neighbors, the way to follow over on Twitter. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. All right, happy holidays, my friend. Take care. Happy holidays to you as well. Quick break where we come back. Scott Prather from ESPN Lafayette. We'll talk to him about the Cage's new coach. His takes as he was one of the first people to interview him. So we'll do that next on ESPN New Orleans. Everybody's working for the weekend. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafourche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus the River Parishes, too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Ontario, Douay, Ontario. More than just an insurance company, they're marine insurance specialists. Whether it's fishing boats, cabin cruisers, sailboats, or marine industry, you can trust Terrio Douay Ontario to get you the coverage you need at a price you deserve for your home, your auto, life, fire, and health. They've been taking care of people since 1957. Call Terrio Douay Ontario at 475-5126. Just ask for Lynn Pierce or David O. along Bayou Lafourche in Golden Meadow. Terrebonne General Health System Community Sports Institute is recognized for outstanding service and contributions to Terrebonne Parish. We provide a certified athletic trainer to every Terrebonne Parish high school. We also provide concussion baseline testing to over 1,400 student athletes annually, along with CPR and AED certification to over 500 area coaches at both the schools and the recreation departments. We are proud to be your trusted resource in keeping our community safe. Visit TGHealthSystem.com. If you have a pest control problem, Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business. They carry a full line of professional products for termites, mosquitoes, ants, wasps, fleas, bedbugs, mice and rats, or any other pest control needs you may have. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Call 985-475-3314. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Oh, big talker, ain't you? A man that likes to talk. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com. As always, a pleasure to bring in Mr. Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette. Scott mimics a way to follow him on Twitter. Scott, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? Doing well. Uh, does it have the same feel or is it different this year? It's December 15th. It's the first letter of intent day or signing national signing day you can have. You have one, another one in February. Does it feel a little bit different or is it just as important now since there's so many different coaches that have changed hats here in the state alone? I think the only thing that feels different this year is the national story of the NIL deals and the young man that flipped from Jackson State, uh, from Florida State to Jackson State. You know, I, um, I don't think sort of. It, I, I really don't think at the local level and certainly around the state, it's all that different. I just the only thing to me that's different is NIL, and I think that's evolving 
and it's evolving at, you know, different levels of college football. I think it's different at G5 and P5 right now. You know, I just asked UL head coach Michael Desimo about it about 10 minutes ago. We were on a Zoom call, and um, he said, you know, we, we haven't really we, – we're not doing that. Like, we're not having to deal with it yet here, but we do get asked about it by all mm-hmm. recruits. And he said, you know, where we're at, we have kids on our team that have NIL deals, but they sort of earned them, right? Like, they play well, and then they get it someone comes to them and so it's different than where some other schools I mean you're just seeing the NIDL deals already in place right it's, it's part of the recruiting pitch so I think yeah. that aspect of it the more that that evolves um, and we're in the very early stages I think that's how signing day sort of changes but I you know I, I, I'm never I'm never thrilled to cover signing day but it's part of the job uh, but I, I think early signing day has been good for a group of five schools I think it's certainly taken it took some of the shine off of what the early February date did with the national signing day. And, you know, let me take off four shirts. Let me lift up a puppy dog, commit to Georgia. Let me take off three hats, put one on, whatever, whatever it might be. Like the early signing day kind of took some of that shine away. Mm-hmm. And I think now as we move forward, Gus, like I said, I think it's the NIL aspect of this thing that's really going to be drawing the big headlines. Speaking with Scott Prather, you mentioned that you just chatted with him. And you also had one of the first, I think the first interview with, Coach Michael uh, Desimo, um, look, it, it's it's tough to lose a guy like Billy Napier. What, what, was he as good, uh, I wouldn't say replacement, but fit to succeed him as any, literally, a Cajun quarterback himself, a member of the staff under Napier the last couple of years, and now the head coach? Uh, I, I think if we, you know, when I ask the AD, he certainly thinks so. Uh, when I ask Coach Desimo, he certainly thinks so. Uh, time will tell. I think what, what was unique about this one from a UL standpoint, Gus, is every prior to Coach Napier, every head coach they ever had was fired. Um, and every head football coach, right? So you, when, when you're looking to replace somebody that's been fired, the program is obviously not in a good spot or, you know, in a, an acceptable spot. Otherwise, that coach would still be there. So you're looking to move something in a completely different direction. And, and I think the, the theme for this one and the message that kept being uh, given to me was that they wanted to make a move that, that they felt like would keep the trajectory moving forward and not not change things very much. Obviously, you're gonna, things are going to change. I mean, you're losing one of the best coaches in the country He's bringing some uh, some staff with him, right? Things are going to change from that standpoint. But for UL, you're, you're having unprecedented success, right? You're ranked 16th right now in the country. Uh, you've won 12 straight games. And if you win Saturday, and if Cincinnati doesn't win the national title, right? you know, Louisiana Raging Cajuns carries the longest win streak in college football uh, at the FBS level in the next season. So, like, you're, you're doing things you've never done before. And I think – in talking to players, it was something, again, Coach Desimo talked to him a little while ago. I said, you know, what was the difference once once recruits knew that Coach Napier was leaving? You know, what was the most common question? And he said, well, obviously they all asked questions. We would have been worried if they didn't. But their question was, how much are things going to change in the system? Right? How much is the offensive system going to change? How much is the defensive system going to change? You know, a lot of these kids, they're going there, one, because they want to win, and two, they feel like it's a good fit for them. And I think trying to keep the same systems in place, uh, they still have, you know, Coach Desimo is going to make considerably less than what Coach Napier was, mm-hmm. but he's going to have the same salary pool for assistance of $2.5 million. I think they're trying to keep the structure in place, Gus, and 
I think they felt like Coach Desermo was the guy to do it. And when I talked to him last week, he said, look, I mean, he brought this up. Uh, I kind of alluded to the question, and he just took over. He said, I knew when I took this job that people were going to say, we haven't been in enough places, right? He said, but I'm not going to apologize that it didn't have to go to Colorado State, Arizona State, Alabama twice, Clemson, and, and, and move around a lot like Billy did. I, that's just not – that hasn't been my trajectory, but I've gotten to learn from Billy for the last four years and soak up everything that he learned from those other places. And so there's, there's one aspect, there's one side of the fan base that's kind of thrilled. And it's like, you know, they watched him play when he was a player and he was, I mean, he is a tough SOB. And then there's another portion of the fan base. that's like, you know, do you want to do something different? Do you want to shake it up? And the reality is, you know, if they win, everyone will forget about, you know, everything else. And if they lose, they'll bring up, well, you should have done something else. I mean, at this point, Coach Desimo's job is just to keep winning. It's going to be tough to do, at least at the level that Billy has, but he's, um, he's a great football mind. He, he knows the game extremely well, and he has recruited over the last four years, Gus, Coach Desimo recruited a third of that roster. So he knows talent. He knows recruiting as well, and I think all of those things bode well. This idea that they only hired him because, oh, what's Mike Desimo and it's a feel-good story and he used to play there. Like, that's, that's not it. That's sort of icing on a cake, but that's not the cake. The AD isn't going to put his career on the line for a feel-good story. He's hiring Coach Desimo because he feels like this is the guy that's going to keep this train moving forward. Mm-hmm. The last thing they want to do is move backwards when you're having unprecedented success right now. Speaking of Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette, giving us a little bit on the Cajuns there. Scott, how are the folks feeling in Acadiana that finally a five-game losing streak has snapped? It was a win. It was a win against the Jets, and, you know, it's a win. I don't know. What what, what do they feel like? Who that, baby? Woo! That's it. That's it. Right back. Take it, man. Take it. The Jets are terrible. I mean, they were, I, I haven't watched the Jags play this year, but I just I, – Mm-hmm. They're somehow worse than the Jets. I mean, Urban Meyer should have been fired a month ago. Um, but who cares, right? You got to win. You see the difference Kamara makes in the lineup, which is huge. Um, and I, I, you know, there's there's just been this. I mean, I couldn't say it on understand. I don't agree with one side of it. That oh, you know, what are you doing winning? You need to try to get a good draft pick. And I just, I, I hate that. Number one. It's bad for culture, right? When you're not when you're not trying to win every single time. Number two, look at some of the best draft picks of the Peyton Loomis era, and how many of them were bona fide first rounders, you know, or high draft picks in the first round. Number three, you have a shot still to make the playoffs. I get that they're not the favorite, but you're in the mix. Like, why? I love that they're playing meaningful games in December as beat up as they are right now, as mm-hmm. bad as things have been at times this year. You have the longest losing streak of the Peyton era, and yet you're still in the mix. And it's going to be hard Sunday night, no doubt. I get it. But, man, I mean, you and that, suddenly there's just sort of this renewed hope and all this other stuff. And playing meaningful games in December, that's fun to me. That's fun for fans. And I, I don't I don't get anyone that wouldn't want them right. to win. Anybody, Any Saints fan that's like, man, I'm kind of mad they – they they beat the Jets. I, I would I question I, I need I need to see your fan card and I'm gonna rip it up and throw it in the fire. Yeah, I'm with you because again, and one of the ways I've explained it too, Scott, is have you not paid attention to the Saints over the last I don't know how many years Sean Payton and them have been here? 
they have a propensity, and it's almost a philosophy, to move up. I mean, if this team targets eyes, someone they want, they will move up. So I'd rather cover a team and see the team go into the postseason, aside from the fact that Scott... That's how they, that's how they're created. That's how they're molded over there. They don't know anything other than to try to win games. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, you don't want to change that, you know? Yeah. If it's week 18 and you've been mathematically eliminated, you want to play some young guys. Sure. You know, can you stick around? Go ahead. That's, and it's not like those young guys are trying to lose, right? You're, I mean, you're in the playoff mix. You got four games left. Three of them are division opponents. You have a chance to, also possibly ruin some seasons. Like, what do we, what do we, I, I, I just, I can't, I don't, I don't know if it's just like a generational thing or younger fans or, or mm-hmm. fans that didn't really follow the Saints back when December games were not really all that meaningful and you're just right. almost watching because you're a fan and there's this obligatory part of it. And I, and I, I remember a lot of games like that. I, those are not fun. I don't care what anyone, you're just looking for silver linings of, okay, maybe this young guy can, <laughs> You know, I remember just you know trying to get excited about Wilmot Perry running late in the game oh in the Ditka era. Like, oh, maybe he could be the running back in the future. Like, nothing against Wilmot Perry, and by the way, he wasn't. But like, those were the kind of things I'm looking to cover. Those were the things I'm like watching the game for. I much prefer to watch a team that's you know fighting for their playoff life and trying mm-hmm. to mess someone up in the else up in the division and mess up their playoff hopes. That's 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 so much better to me, Gus. And and you know, I don't know. This I, I don't know if it's just like the the social media more uh, you know coverage or more intrigue or, or you know just more people talking about the future and who could go where and and all the talk on Twitter as opposed to the games themselves. I, I don't know if that's kind of where some of this Saint stuff is coming from. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Scott, final thing for you, because um, I hadn't had a chance to talk to you, obviously, even personally, since the news Saturday, out and definitely for Zion here. A lot of people are wondering if you'll see him. I had Fletcher Mackle on the show yesterday. He's like, look, realistically, he's hearing two to four weeks before they, if he's good enough to see if he can go start to ramp up again and give him two weeks to get healthy. He's like, that's mid to late January, early February. Do you think we see Zion? Hey, Gus, I'm sorry. I lost you for a second. Do you think we'll see Zion this year? No, I do not. I do not. I don't think we will see him on the floor this year, which is extremely unfortunate. But at this point, I do not expect to see him on the court this year. There has been nothing that would – I mean, why would – can I ask you this? What part of you would think that we would at this point? Yeah. No, I, I look, I, I'm with you. And quite honestly, as I keep saying it, man, um, I know they played tonight and you are eight and 21. You have 56 games remaining. You'd have to win like 25 to 30 of those, man, to, to get to 500. You know, yeah. <laughs> like just, it, it's, I mean, when you start thinking of it like that and not, well, how many games you have 56 left? That's what you have left. So start doing the math. It's it's gonna now again. That's five hundred. You're only six games out, I believe, of the tenth spot right now. Can you make up six games between now and the end of March, early April? Probably not. I don't. I mean, oh. <laughs> see, you know, like, it, it's 
I, I, I'm talking on one hand about the Saints and having meaningful right. games. Look, I want meaningful games for the Pelicans. I do. Mm-hmm. I want it big time. I, I don't like watching games in March and April where, all right, let's call up this guy from the G League. Let's see him get a little time. Let's see if, you know, how many guys are going to be scratched tonight because mm-hmm. of injury. Like, that's not fun. I want meaningful games for the Pelicans, too. But I, I think they need Zion to get to that point, and I don't think we're going to see him this year. I'm not trying to be – I'm trying to be Grinch here, but that's that's where I'm at with the team right now, Jeff. Scott Prather at uh, Scott Mimics, the way to follow over on Twitter, ESPN Lafayette, as always, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Anytime, my friend. Great talking to you. For sure. Take care. Quick break. We come back. Uh, a couple of top storylines that we can get into, including the history in Madison Square yesterday, Madison Square Garden yesterday. And also, um, there is a massive NFL COVID outbreak right now. So we'll touch on that and more. So Sports Hangover in ESPN New Orleans. It's the Command Season Sales Event at Barker Kia, which means you can save on our entire lineup of new Kia. These Kias are packed with value and technology. Best of all, these new Kias come with our famously low Barker Kia price. Take a look at the all-new Ultra Sporty 2022 Kia K5, a rebellious design built to root a road with an 8-inch touchscreen and lane-keeping technology that all comes standard. Or drive home in a new 2022 Kia Sorento, the third-row 7-seat SUV that comes standard with family-favorite features like smartphone and and of course, we have to mention the all-new Kia Carnival MPV, the SUV-inspired van as a radical departure from the usual. Now that says it all. So come see during Kia's Command the Season sales event at Barker Kia. And get our famously low Barker Kia price. And you know all these new Kias come with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warrant. That's Barker Kia at Homer. Or shop online at BarkerKia.com. Come see me, people. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. See Kia.com or retailer for details. Offshore workers are among the most important members of the Gulf Coast workforce. When a person working offshore or on a vessel is injured, the effects on their family can be devastating. At The King Firm, we are proud to have experience with these types of cases and make it a priority to see that our clients receive just compensation and are treated fairly. If you've been injured, don't play the game of claims with the insurance companies. Ring The King at 504-909-KING or 888-241-8766. For more than two decades, Reed's Metals has been providing metal roofing, steel buildings, and all the accessories for customers to buy direct and save. Reed's Metals specializes in on-job, sight-standing seam in over 20 colors, plus 26 and 29 gauge AZ-50 and AZ-55 Gavalume, backed by a 45-year written paint warranty and a 25-year warranty on acrylic-coated Gavalume. Buy direct and save Reed's Metals, located at 19 East Lincoln Drive, Northeast Brookhaven, or call 601-823-6516, online at reedsmetals.com. Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance. It's a storm of entertainment that brings down the house. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN1003.com. Starting it from the start, Wiggins again. Here's Curry for the record. It's good!
Three-pointer, number 29-74. The man who changed the game. The igniter of the three-point revolution in the NBA. And now he stands alone at the top of the three-point list. Ray Allen was present. Also, his dad, Del Curry, super cool moment right after that. He grabs the ball, the game ball. The coach, uh, Kerr, gives it to him, and he gives it to his dad. He was emotional um, during that. You could see it there as well. He wound up hitting five threes in that game. It's really remarkable when you think about it. <laughs> the one that tied it was the top of the key, bombs away. And then that one from the right wing. It's like you you, you normally see most shooters in the NBA set, and even the catch and shoot one. I mean, they'll kind of have some sort of form and go to it. <coughs> Very rarely does Steph Curry. I mean, he just grabs and shoots it. I don't even know how he, how he gets in there. He's, he's incredible to watch. He's absolutely must-watch TV, I, I think. I joked about it last year when the Pels played him there towards the end. I'm like, look, it's, see how many he can drop. Remember last year went on a ridiculous streak. He single-handedly kept Cold State's playoff chances alive. You know, 30, 40-point games. It was it was incredible to watch, for sure. He had this to say after the game in terms of being able to get that record and his thoughts on it. For me, where the icons are shooting the basketball, obviously along with my dad, uh, but to be out there on the court and have those guys supporting me and cheering me on and uh, enjoying the moment with me, like it's, it's hard to really put in the words. You see the, the, the polished product out there, but right. you know, the, the, the reps and, and that's gone into it over the, uh, the course of the journey and knowing how many teammates have been a part of this as well. Somebody's got still screens for me. Somebody got them in the ball. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of people that have, have, have filled in, you know, those roles for me as well. So hopefully they can celebrate this as well. So he has his he has his eyes set on something else here as well. Here we'll get to Walter real quick. Fifteen threes in the game. Can he do it? It is, and it's funny because that, that game, like I, I think I missed my first three or four. Yeah. But they were all shots I'd take normally, even right. if I wasn't chasing the record and all that. And that's where you know just the uh, the anxiousness. Every time I, I I took a shot, everybody knew that it was one closer, one closer to the record. So I I felt that the last four games and it's. You know, I wouldn't trade that that journey and the chase for anything, but you know, to for it to build up tonight at the Garden, uh, in front of Reggie, in front of Ray, uh, my family, like it was, it was a, a dream come true for sure. He's had a ridiculous season. He has multiple nine three point games. Walter from the West Bank, thank you, sir, for calling. What you got today, man? I got to ask you a question. If the mm-hmm. Saints go three and one and go nine and eight, you think they can make the playoffs at nine and eight, or are they going to have? Uh, you're probably going to have a couple teams that they have to watch with the tie break or something. Huh? So, with four left, if I'm looking at different scenarios again, first off, I'll give you the teams that are six and seven. Okay, Washington right now is the seventh seed. They're six and seven. Now the Saints did beat them, but they have a better conference record right now. Washington's five and three in the conference. The Saints are four and five. Vikings are six and seven. Philly six and seven, they beat the Saints. The Falcons are six and seven, they've beaten the Saints. Now you're gonna play Atlanta at the end of the year. You can't get back that tiebreaker with Philly, so you're gonna have to probably have another win on top of them. Uh, Vikings, it's no way. To, I mean, again, they're four and four in conference. Philly's four and four in conference. You're four and five 
in conference action. So I, I almost think you may you may have to do three, right? Three and one the next the rest of the way. But you think they would have a chance if they go three? Yeah, no, absolutely got a chance. Again, I, I I think that's going to put you in a tiebreaker situation with somebody. I think. Right. Because I don't see them going four and zero. I don't see them beating Tampa. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think eleven is too much. But I just again, it, it's why I said it's my question. You know, my top storyline going into it: Can you get anything out of the passing game? Um. And, and to hear Sean Payton this morning, I don't know if you heard him say it, he thought that it was going to be key. Did you hear Sean this morning when I played the bite earlier from what he said? No, I didn't No, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. Here, give a listen. I'll, I'll give it to you right here. I think it depends on the game you're in. You know, there, there's some games where you're going to have to be proficient throwing it. You know, we're going to have to have a good throwing game this Sunday, uh, you know, based on some of the things that, that, that Tampa does so well. And, and so – um, I think it's more a matter of that game and, and you know what the plan is in that game. But uh, you know you, you want to be efficient at it, and, and you want to you know be able to execute when you're choosing to, and, and especially when it comes to your third down numbers. Yeah. So as I touched on early when I played that. Walter, the Saints have 2,748 total passing yards from three quarterbacks. <laughs> so, and I went through the list of all the passing leaders in the NFL, and only five quarterbacks have less than 2,748. Everybody okay. else has more single-handedly. So, okay, it's, let, me it's, get, let me ask you one yeah. more question. Mm-hmm. You think the Saints will pick up a veteran quarterback next year? I mean, they gonna, are they going to give up a, one dra- a number one draft fight and a player? and try to get a, a good quarterback? I think that everything is on the table, if that makes sense, Walter. I definitely think you probably would go that route first, a veteran, right? Um, but then it also, there, there's 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 things that make that easier than not or, or harder, right? If it's Rodgers, it's going to cost you. If it's Russell Wilson, it's going to cost you perhaps differently. It depends. If Rodgers gets released, right? He wants to like be let go from Green Bay. So then he has to want to choose you, and then you have to pay him. I don't worry too much about the money. This team has shown they'll find a way to make the money uh, work. But with the Seahawks, it's going to cost you capital. It's going to cost you draft picks, and it's going to, as Fletcher said yesterday, probably cost you a top-tier player. Uh, as he said, Seattle's probably going to start with, I want Alvin Kamara in three first rounds. And then you say no. And then he's going to say, well, I want out, I want those three first round draft picks and Michael Thomas or Marshawn Lattimore or Ryan Ramchek. Are you willing to do that for Russell Wilson? And the thing that he brought up yesterday makes sense to me. I look at if the top quarterback projected per Todd McShay yesterday and he released his mock draft is 12 to Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh quarterback, um, if if that's the first quarterback taken to say the Saints, right now they're 19, say the Saints are 18, 19, 20 in the draft, that's not that much to move forward and go get. So I would maybe keep my assets, keep my young team, keep my young defense together, and then see if that's a young quarterback. Do you go Jameis Winston? I, I, there's There's a handful of different areas I think you can go, Walter. 
I think you start veteran first because of the defense and the team and the talent you have. You want to be able to win now. But and I think what they I think what they got to do the people that's been injured they got to get rid of these players. Davenport is always injured. Got to get rid of him. You don't want to be you don't want to keep him and be paid higher. Yeah. I, I hear you. Football, but, but but Walter, play for you okay? No, I, I hear you. I got to hit the top of the hour break. I'll, I'll address that okay. when we come back because you're starting to see that potential though in him right now. And is Cam Jordan part of your future moving forward? And if not, can you get rid of Marcus Davenport? Right. So let's talk about that when we come back. So Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Mexican restaurant on Highway 1 in Raceland is open and ready to please you. They have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday from 10 